I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Audio Media presents The Patron Saint of Suicides Created by Alex Dolan Detective Zoe Gibson and Victor Blossom sat in Blossom's office. Blossom thought about their discussions in his office last year during the train killings, before Zoe Gibson made detective. She hadn't stopped by his office since then, even though her new desk was just steps down the hall. She swiveled in her chair and seemed uncomfortable, even though she was the one who asked him to talk. What do you know about the shooter? We know his name is Eric Leichenberg. Come on. He doesn't fit the profile of a typical school shooter. He was estranged from his girlfriend. But, you know, he had a girlfriend. Compared to the typical shooter, that's a step up. Estranged? They broke up two months ago. Have you talked to her? Her name is Maya Lin. She's 19 too. She went to Chester Arthur and graduated in the same class with Eric. They were art geeks together. Her words. Why did they break up? It was hard to get a straight answer out of her. She said she was worried about him. He had mood swings. My impression is that he was volatile and she felt like she was more of a caretaker than a girlfriend. Volatile how? Depressed. What good artist isn't, right? Was he violent? Gentle as a manatee, according to everyone I talked to. Did anything happen recently that would set him off? His uncle died about a year ago, his mom's brother. Apparently, 
He was kind of like a father figure in the absence of his actual dad. He died in an industrial accident. Where? Remember the magic bread factory? Didn't they just tear that place down? Before they tore it down. The uncle died in a forklift accident. You think that might have been a catalyst? Maybe. Apparently the company screwed the family out of insurance money. They went bankrupt before they could pay out. The mom seemed pretty bitter about it. Not that I blame her. The ex-girlfriend says Eric talked about it a lot. That could be something. I don't know how it fits in. I get that he was depressed. And maybe he spiraled after all the stuff with his uncle. But how does that make you strap on fake guns and pretend to be a school shooter? I can't figure out how one leads to the other. Did the people you spoke to think it seemed out of character? No one knows what to make of it. His mother kept asking if we were sure it was really her son we had in the morgue. The ex-girlfriend said it sounded like we were talking about a different person. <sighs> no one could picture Eric doing this. Does anyone expect someone they know to be a school shooter? Or a pretend school shooter? Fair point. But then all the business with the burn marks and the cuts on his arm... I feel like there's more going on here. Have you looked up Walking Sam? Yeah, about that. It's some kind of folk legend. It comes from a town called Pine Ridge, South Dakota. The town is basically a Native American reservation. For the past few years, they've had a rash of suicides. Some say there's a demon named Walking Sam that whispers to people to get them to kill themselves. A demon? Some sources call him a shadow monster, whatever that is. Basically, a demon. Malevolent spirit. Same difference. It whispers to you and tells you you're worthless until you kill yourself. Hmm. Creepy. Blossom thought about a rash of suicides, and based on the train killings last year, wondered if they were actual suicides or just made to look like suicides. You know if he's close, if you can hear him whistling. Very creepy. Blossom thought about what Ben had said, about how he had gotten into a fight with Sam. What about you? Have you found out anything? I asked around. Apparently, some people have spotted a new graffiti tag around town. Walking Sam was here. Seriously? I guess it's a new thing. Have you seen it? There's more to it than the usual tag. It's the words, plus a tall man in a top hat. All black, except for these gray bug eyes. Interesting. That's how Walking Sam is described in the legend. Tall, thin, top hat. Not sure if it means anything, but one of the tags was located at the demolition site of the Magic Bread Factory. Really? It gets better. It was painted over, or as a part of, a bishop mural. Bishop? As in Wesley Pope? He just finished a new mural. The Tribune had a story about it this morning. Wesley Pope, the Banksy of Oakland. You think we should talk to him? To Wesley Pope? It probably wouldn't hurt, but if history is any indicator, I don't know that he'll tell you anything useful. Does it bother you that this is leading back to Wesley Pope again? The implications aren't lost on me. Is Wesley Pope walking Sam? I doubt it, but I've been wrong before. 
Let's get back to the shooter. If walking Sam is some new trend, it's the first I've heard of it. It's a reach, but is there some connection between Eric Lichtenberg and South Dakota? None that we've found. He's not Native American. Eric Lichtenberg? You tell me. Strike that. Dumb question. There's one other lead. What's that? I was doing a check on any suicides that happened recently. I don't know why. Someone called in a welfare check in Oakland this week. On a man named Luke Paget. He ended up killing himself. But before he did, he called into a crisis line and they recorded the call. During the call, he mentioned someone he called Sam. Does Luke Paget have any connection to Eric Lichtenberg or Chester Arthur High School? No connection to anything that we've seen. No connection to South Dakota, either. Who got the call? It's a crisis hotline run out of Oakland called St. D. Funny thing. You know the owner. Uh, Sorry. I need to take this. It's Ben's nanny. Hello? What? I'm coming. When Blossom made it back home, Beverly was waiting for him with Benjamin, along with a woman he'd never met. What happened? Who are you? I'm your neighbor. How come I've never met you? Because you're a hermit? I've lived across the street for 16 years. Are you the person with the dog that never shuts up? Nice. What the hell happened? Ben's okay. He had a run-in with Sophia's dog. Your son ran into my yard. Your dog attacked him? I have a six-foot fence and gate around my house, and your son jumped into my yard. My dog thought he was an intruder. Your dog attacked my son. Christ, I knew this would happen. I should have just called the police. I am the police. Seriously? Yeah. Look, he came into my yard. I have signs all over the fence saying, beware of dog. Has your dog ever bitten anyone else? You better not come after my dog. You better hope that's all I come after. Victor! I don't want anything to happen to the dog. What? It wasn't the dog's fault. I shouldn't have been there. See? Are you hurt? He got me a little in the leg, but it's nothing. My dog nipped your son on the calf. I checked it. It doesn't look like a big deal. Are you a doctor? Victor, she helped get Ben home. Blossom crouched and looked at his son's calf. Beverly had already dressed the wound. When he lifted the gauze he saw a series of shallow puncture marks. There wasn't much bleeding, but it might have looked messy before they cleaned it up. Can you walk on it? Ben limped across the kitchen, wincing the whole way. We need to get you checked out. My dog is up to date with his shots. He doesn't have rabies. It doesn't hurt to check, though, does it? Blossom tried to control his temper with a deep, calming breath. Ben... Tell me what happened. It's like they said. I was in Sophia's backyard, and the dog chased me. It's not the dog's fault. I shouldn't have been there. What possessed you to go into someone's yard? 
My question too. Shut your mouth. Victor! I was taking a shortcut. To where? We live at the top of a hill. I was just exploring. You're 12 and you've lived here your whole life. What made you want to go exploring now? I was bored. There's a difference between bored and stupid, and you usually know that difference. Victor! Yeah, go easy. He's been through enough. Why are you still here? You make one hell of a first impression, officer. Detective. Does it look like I give a shit? Beverly, nice to meet you. If Ben needs something, you know where to find me. Victor, this wasn't your neighbor's fault. She's right, it wasn't. I don't want her to get into trouble, or the dog. Bibi, I've got to ask you something. Blossom knew his son hated this nickname. Bibi was taken from his initials, Benjamin Blossom, and was reserved for times when his father was particularly disturbed by him or concerned for him. Ben blushed when he heard it. Does this have anything to do with Sam? I shouldn't have told you about that. I stayed late at St. D because a pair of parents wanted to talk to me. Fred and Claire. They're worried about their son. They're both avoiding eye contact. I get the feeling they don't want to be talking to anyone at all. Even though they asked for the meeting. Maybe they don't have the money for a proper therapist, and I'm the closest thing that approximates a mental health professional. Fred has a round red face and white hair. He hasn't bothered to take off his raincoat. Claire is so thin she seems fragile and carries her coat in her lap like a security blanket. They hold hands in the gap between the chairs. I try to coax them into talking. What's your son's name? Jack. What's Jack doing that you're worried about? Claire shoots Fred a concerned look. Do you think he's in danger? We're not sure. Is he hurting himself? How would you define hurting himself? I'm about to rattle off a list of self-destructive behavior, but Fred finally comes out with it. How much should we be worried about chronic masturbation? I'll admit I wasn't expecting that. Excuse me? How much is too much? I mean, if that were a problem, I'd already be dead. Uh, sorry, is he actually hurting himself? We're worried that this might lead to other things. How old is Jack? Thirteen. Is this all you're worried about? Is he doing anything else harmful? It's quite frequent. Maybe six times a day. Sometimes seven, eight. How do you keep count? Then there's the name. Jack. Jack. God, I wish we'd picked a different name. I'm not sure I'm the right person to talk about this. Do you think your son is in actual danger? Maybe not right now, but that's why we're here. If this keeps up... Uh... You can't just walk in. She's in session. She's going to want to talk to me. Detective Victor Blossom is standing in my office. My heart forgets to beat. Sir, we're in the middle of a private discussion. I need to talk to you. Wait your turn. 
Is your son in immediate danger? Define immediate. Okay, I think we should wrap up for now. Do you have any advice? You know, to keep him from... To keep your son from touching himself? Miss Otomo, a little discretion, please. You're here to stop your son from jacking off? Please don't say jacking. You need to get out of here. I don't care if you are police. You're with the police? I really need to talk to you. Fred, Claire, can we wrap up for the evening? It doesn't sound like your son is in immediate danger. Is there anything we can do? Try washing his sheets. We'll see ourselves out then. Fred and Claire wander out in a daze, probably humiliated. I do feel bad for them, even though I feel worse for their son. Detective Blossom is drumming my desktop with his fingers to get my attention, and Clementa remains in the doorway. Haven, are you okay? It's okay, Clementa. Thanks. I give her a nod to say I've got things under control. Clementa eventually closes the office door and gives us some privacy. Clementa said that I should expect a police visit, but I wasn't expecting you. The last time I saw Victor Blossom, I was in a psychiatric ward maybe a year ago. Now, he looks different. His hair looks grayer around the temples. He drags a chair closer to me, the one Claire was using. I find it hard to look at him, and it's difficult to breathe. Are you here about the man we lost last week? He's reading my face, more interested in my expression than what I'm saying. Yes, and no. He sounds different, too. Less compassionate. More beaten down. I'm fighting an instinct to run for the door. What can I do for you? He takes something out of his pocket and places it on the desk between us. I recognize it immediately. It's a cell phone. It's my cell phone. The one I lost last year. We need to talk. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.